0: John, the fifth, the fifth chapter. I'll read these verses, and then we can see what God has for us. John, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, or the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. They're powerless. They're blind, they're halt, they can't move, they can't walk, can't function, they're withered, (coughs) and they're waiting for something to happen, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, laying there helpless and powerless, and knew that he had been there for a long time. In that case, in that particular case of helplessness, powerlessness, and hopelessness, and helplessness, he said unto him, will you be made whole? In areas, we in our position as believers in Christ, we have already been made whole. We've been placed in Christ Jesus. That is the first chapter of the epistle of Ephesians. We have been placed in him. Starts right in Ephesians 1 verse 3 and goes really right through or all the way through in a beautiful progression those six different chapters there. So we have been placed we have been placed in him. We have been placed in Christ. But if we don't have a consistent way to be fed. Remember, the only time that we gather together is for, for fellowship, obviously, but there is no fellowship outside of being fed. So the only reason that we come to the local assembly is to be fed. And if we don't have a consistent basis of that in a particular place where God's called us, we don't have in our experience what is ours and our position in Christ, and so we will be just like this man and and and, and again' we've, God has stated this to us constantly in Romans eight verse nine. that is a born-again Christian there, and they have the flesh. we have the flesh that's in us, we have the flesh in us, but we're not of it. We are of Christ. We stress those words here in our particular local assembly here, those words in and of. So we have the flesh that's in us in Romans 8, 9, but we're not of it. But if I don't have a proper experience that's equal to my position, how do I function? Just like this guy who was 38 years in that same condition. If I'm not going forward with with proper teaching, progressive sanctification in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, There's no such thing as neutrality in Christianity. I simply am going to go back. And where do we go back to? The flesh, and what is the flesh? Here's the flesh, again. It's powerless, it's blind, it's halt, it's withered, and it's waiting for what is already there. How many Christians are waiting 2 Corinthians 4, three. it says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Can a Christian who has been positioned in Christ, been given everything by Christ, through Christ, and being in him, with him and them, can they miss all that in their experience? And in that sense, they're lost. This man here was lost. The reason is, is because he was lost in himself. He was lost in himself, just like a Christian if we're not going forward with proper preaching and teaching. I think it's very interesting. If you look in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and follow it all the way through, look even in Exodus, the 16th chapter. Look at what it says. When they were in the wilderness, and that's a picture of us in type. We've been delivered from... The bondage of Egypt, the world system, we've been delivered from Pharaoh, who was a type of Satan. Now we've been freed by our true Moses, the true Moses, who was a type of Christ, and the work that God was accomplishing through him. He himself was not the type. But Christ was doing this work, even the Father, even long before Christ came, thousands of years into the future. And then Moses, he set them free. Then they're following him, and now they're in the wilderness. We're still in the world, but we're not of it. <laughs> we're not of it. And pretty soon, like we're prone to do if we function in the flesh, we'll start murmuring and complaining about things. Even after, <laughs> we're so, all of us are so prone to do that in the flesh. We start murmuring. Philippians 2, verse 14, do all things without murmuring or disputing. Murmuring is we're thinking these thoughts and we're mumbling under our breath. Finally, we have to let them out. Now we dispute <laughs> and we let these things out. If we only understood. In Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it says, work out your own salvation. Again, as we've been taught, that's not just the time that you were born again. That speaks of your whole Christian life. Work out, and, we, and it takes work. Where, is work always easy? Is it always convenient? Do we have to do what we always feel like doing? And we don't. We don't. But for us to grow up and be mature, there has to be this type of work. It's not works of the flesh, God forbid. God forbid. But we labor for the meat that doesn't perish. The meat that Christ is in his person and in his word. <clears throat> so work out your own salvation, your whole Christian life with a reverence and a trembling. Do you know how many problems in our life would be eliminated instantaneously? If we reverence the fact that God is ever present, oh God! what would our thought life be? Because he knows our thought in Psalm 139, 1 and 2, from afar off. Says it again in Job 42, verse 2. Knows our thought. Our thought from afar off. Everywhere present. God is everywhere present. Proverbs 5, 21. Jeremiah 23 and verse 24. He is always present. Furthermore, in Isaiah 57 and verse 15, he inhabits eternity. I don't have, if I'm not taught, and we need to be taught. But again, so Israel, okay, is now they're in, they're still, they're out of Egypt. They're out of the world. They're in it, but not of it. (laughs) God, if we only get that one right, all of us. Jesus said in John 17 and verse 14, I am not of this world. Of there is Everything about who he was had nothing constituted with the world. That's why it says in 1 John 2 verse 15, and he's speaking to Christians, stop loving the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, thinks he's loving the world, then the love of the Father that God does love us with is not an operating principle in their experience. That's clearly what it states. So for them, then they, again, they started to murmur. You'll see that in Exodus, the 16th chapter. They murmured again in the 17th for water. (laughs) But they murmured. After having been set free, after years of bondage, they couldn't do anything about it. Like this impotent man, he could do nothing in his condition. He couldn't do anything. Not a single thing. No wonder it says in in John 3, in verse 27, a man can receive nothing except it come from heaven. Of course, that's a beautiful picture of Christ himself. And then in this growth of this salvation that needs to be worked out, Now finish Philippians 2.12 and 13, because there's no chapter and verses. There's a beautiful flow in the original Koine Greek New Testament. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and trembling. For it is God which works in you, both to will. How does God work in us? To will with our will submitted. I, we've said this before. When Adam fell, God never took away his free will. But are any of us free? We have a free will. We can make choices. But boy, do we, do we have freedom without our will being submitted to Christ? Is there freedom? Nope. All that attaches itself to us is what attached to this man here. You're going to see in the 14th verse, after God had healed him, he said, he, he made it clear. He said, listen, really what he was saying. Don't continue in, in sin anymore. You've been healed. It was a particular sin that caused this man to be in the place that he was, helpless and hopeless, and he could do nothing about it. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do, of his good pleasure. What is our doing but simply receiving what's already been done through submitting our will? Because again, in John fifteen one through 5, what can we do with him? Everything. What can we do without him? Nothing. With him, I can do all things in Philippians 4 and verse 13 because Christ has met my one particular need, my one need in Philippians 4 and verse 19. That one need okay, will be the direction of my thinking in every single area, every single choice, every thought, word, and deed. And in that sense, I'll be protected, I will be secure, and I'll be very stable. I'll have stability with wisdom and knowledge will be the strength of our time and that amazing salvation in Isaiah 33 and verse 6. We have that. We have it. But here is Israel, like us, we've been delivered from the world system out of Satan to which we functioned in. For us, that's Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 4, based upon the first chapter. And in 2 6, we've been seated in heavenly places. That's position. So if you ever read, we've been seated together with him in the heavenlies, that's positional truth. Okay? He represents every one of us in him with his Father and thereby from that place. In Romans 8 and verse 34, and in Hebrews 7 and verse 25 and Hebrews 7 and 9 verse 26 he intercedes for us. Now they're in the wilderness like you and I. We're in the world system but we're not of it. But one thing to meet their needs so that they could go forward in the energy that they needed to sustain them to go forward they had to be fed and manna came down. If you will notice in, the, in Exodus, the 16th chapter, guess what? They had to get up early. Do you ever hear a person say, I'm not an early person? Really? Not an early person? Okay. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 8 and verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early will find me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Isn't that very interesting? Early. Whatever your early is with God, And for us being fed in a local assembly, that's the truth of the matter. They had to get up early. We've said this before. The manna the manna, laid on the dew. The dew was a type of the Holy Spirit. Christ coming down, the Holy Spirit. What is that a type of? When the dew, the manna, would come down and go on the dew. The dew representing the Holy Spirit. The manna being Christ. That is a picture of John 6.63. Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. The flesh that's in the Christian, there's no profit in it. The flesh profits nothing. But the words that I speak unto, their spirit, Holy Spirit, and their life, Christ who is our life. But you know what? God didn't take that manna and fly it through every one of their tents into their bed. They had to get up. They had to get up. They weren't to be fed, they were not to be directed by their own thought, by their own will being unsubmitted, and by their own emotions. We've said before, can you imagine if we only did what we felt like doing? Tell me what really would get done. Not a lot. We don't live by our emotions, sad to say, some that even think that Christian worship is thousands getting together. And honestly, I understand. But they get, they're in their emotions, and all they're doing is, is it's they're throwing their emotions up to God, hoping to be ex- accepted. Now, there's such a thing as good emotions. If I have, and that's you splagnos in the originals, quite a Greek word. If I have good emotions, which can't think but only respond, it's because I, my emotions have responded to the initiation of my thought life. It's interesting how it affects the five parts of the soul. The mind, the emotions, the will, the self-consciousness, and the conscience. That's that's what makes up our soul. That's why in Hebrews 4.12, the Word comes in and separates all of that from ourselves, from our own will functioning in that. Then the Spirit, when that separation comes through submission of the will, the Holy Spirit's able to take the things of Christ that are ours in Him and show them unto us. So you know what though? They had to get up early. Yes sir. You know when you, and we said it before when you go to work what do you do? You go to work in your jammies? You get up and go go right up and go and get in and go to your and go to your job in your jammies. No, there's a whole process. There's a whole preparation. There's a whole disciplined way of functioning. <laughs> Even have to teach little kids that too. Little Johnny, it's time to get up. I don't want to get up, mommy. I don't feel like going, I know. Get up anyway, honey. Get up. You got to get prepared. Christians, you need to be even prepared before you come to hear the word of God because if you don't have preparation of thinking, your mind is on something else. You're not able to receive. I'm not able to receive. So they had to get up early. They had to get rest. Get up early. And then they had to go out and guess what they had to do? Did the, did, the, did the manna fly up to them still that they needed? No, they had to bend down. You know, that speaks of humility. There's a humility in it. Tremendous humility. Now this man here, 38 years, sin had caused him to be in this condition. He couldn't do a thing about it, just like any of us. And thank God, Christ has paid for all of our sins. But do you think that we can go back into those foolish things? in a heartbeat. If you read Second Corinthians, the 12th chapter, read it all the way to the 29th verse and see what Christians can enter into. They can go from a, the height of a most incredible experiential truth with Christ personally and all the way back down to debate, whispering, all kinds of negative things in a, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. So they had to get up, get prepared, come out and humble themselves, bend low. And you know what? They could take as much as they want. You know, there's no excuse for any of us. I don't care how old we are. And thank God we do have these ways, you know, for some of us. You know, we do have this technology that God has made available. That's why here, and this is by the grace of God, okay? This is the pure grace of God. That's why we have the word seven days a week. As much as you want, you can, you can take it. But you've got to be disciplined. You have to be humbled. You have to be prepared for it. okay. And in a sense, even in areas where I don't resist the truth, and many Christians do that, by the way, many Christians go back to the flesh and they just resist what they know to be true and continue in it and then cry out to God. Cry out to God. You know, if you read Exodus 32 and verse 9, if you read that, that particular scripture with Acts 7, verse 51, it says, you stiff-necked people. You stiff-necked people. That's what we are in the flesh. You stiff-necked people. You always do resist the Holy Spirit from taking the things of Christ and lovingly showing you these truths. Stiff-necked and we know this in the, book, in the book of Proverbs, especially the first three chapters and then on through. The next speaks of the will. The next speaks of the will, and I'm not going to turn it. Nope, not going to do it. Not going to submit. Not going to do what I know. This man ended up in that condition. This man, he because when I don't, Give my will over to God, some sin is going to come in. We see that in Hebrews 12:1 and 2. Hebrews 12:1 says, lay, up, lay apart every weight. Now, is the weight sin? No. No. Now, we have many responsibilities and we need to be accountable to God. You know, every human being, whether they're born again or not, are going to be accountable to God. They're going to face, every one of us are going to face Christ. Saved and unsaved. Us at the Bema Seat, 1 Corinthians 3:13 to 15 in Romans 14, 10 through 12, in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, that's where we appear. It's not a judgment seat. Okay, thank God there's no judgment, but we are going to face him for the choices that we made and the result of them. And then the unsaved at the, at the great white throne judgment will face him also before they're cast into hell and then hell into the lake of fire. And that's Revelations chapter 20 and verses 10 to 15. We're going to face him. And everything about our life is facing him because there's a responsibility and accountability. But that responsibility and accountability has been has been dealt with by Christ. When I submit my will to him, he he's not okay. My obedience is me submitting to to my will to him to experience the reality of who he is in my position and to actually experience it. That's why we're not in grammar school here. We're not. You know, we're adults. We're adults. So these the Israelites, they always resisted. They always resisted. And this is what I found out in my old age. The older we get, the more necessary is it to continue to be taught and to give our will over. To think that we don't need it anymore is the biggest nonsense, the biggest trap from the enemy. Well, you know, got so many things to do. Okay, fine. And again, God knows that. Again, I want to make it clear too, that God has called us to fellowship as a local assembly. Here's Proverbs 29 of verse 1. I shared this with Mike the other day, in, in the time that I have with him. He that often He that being often reproved hardens his neck. Think about that? There's some older folks listening, and I'm an older folk, <laughs> and we can tell you, young folks, we can tell you. Make right decisions. Don't put off obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. When I know something, and when I know to do it, and when I don't, in James four seventeen, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is what? Sin. It's sin. It's my will, not submitted to you. It's, and we're saying, my will not yours God I can't tell you how many older people he that being often reproved hardens his neck his will just won't submit and then then they function as believers they function in, in the, the results of, of their bad decisions <clears throat> and not only do they rob themselves they rob the local assembly where God's called them Because I am saying it again. God called us to a local assembly. There is absolutely no question about it. There's no question about it. He has. He that being often reproved hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed. John 10, 10a, the thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. How does he do that? Through thoughts, through unsubmitted will, thoughts that, that we think are ours but really are his really his thoughts, because there's only, you can't serve two masters in Matthew 6 and verse 24. And that, it says, without remedy. This guy had no remedy in himself. He didn't. He didn't. But Jesus spoke the word to him. He didn't even have, no one even had to pick him up from the place where he was. He couldn't do it himself. And just think, for 38 years, we said, there's these porches, five, five, under these pillows, and five has to do with responsibility, by the way, but there is none for us in Christ apart from grace. Grace is five, but it also speaks of responsibility too, by the way. And God will not bypass that. I can't be responsible for you in terms of the things of Christ. Neither can you for me. All of them, porches filled waiting for that one certain time for the first person that could run down there and step into what would be healed. That was just God teaching some things. A lot of teaching involved in that. And if God has it, we'll go into it during the week if he has us to do that. But this man, can you imagine for 38 years one, how many flew by him and couldn't do They couldn't do anything for themselves. They were so occupied with their own need, they're flying by this guy for 38 years, for 38 years. And and it was a sin. You see that in the 14th verse of John chapter 5. Okay, you see it clearly. But why? Because he that often being reproved hardened his neck. He kept his will to himself, thought he was his own. And suddenly he became destroyed and he didn't have a a remedy. Look at verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, and, and really... A, a, you know, in authority, and that's what it says there. And what authority? Is increased? that's what it's saying. Because Christ is our authority. When I'm increased with him, in my thinking, and my thought life, that's what I have for someone else. That's what I have for someone else. When the righteous are increased, and that's in authority, increasing in the authority that they have in Christ, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. Can, can I function in wickedness as, as being in Christ? I can. And do I have peace? Read Isaiah 57, verses 19 to 21. God says, I create the peace. I create the fruit of the lips. I create peace. Peace, peace to him that's afar off and him that's nigh. But the wicked are like the troubled sea who can't rest. Why? It's their thoughts. Because for years they've been reproved. For years they knew what they should have done and they didn't do it. Nothing is too hard. We say we can't do it. That's a lie. You just won't submit your will. That's a reality. Sin is a choice. It's a choice. Just like obedience and returning God's love is a choice. When the wicked bear rule, And boy, did you ever get around a backslidden, a Christian? Oh, boy, everything is about them. Everything is about them. Everything they're going through, and the whole world is them. They don't have an object anymore experientially, which is Christ. Because the object here, in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, the object there was Christ. It wasn't even Bethesda which was supposed to be this house of mercy, this house of kindness in the Hebrew tongue. That's what it was supposed to be. But there was all this function going on, but no healing. You know why? Because not until Christ showed up, he went to that one man. He went to him. And he spoke the word. That man didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to do anything with his will. He just has to submit in obedience to the word of of Jesus Christ. Just like today, it's no different. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, the Holy Spirit, remember, it's the Holy Spirit. Paul wasn't speaking apart from God. He was just a vessel. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 says, I thank God that when you heard the word, you received it, not as a word of men, but as it is, the word of God, the word of Christ, which works in you effectually when you believe, when you submit your will. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. You know a Christian, a, a Christian that doesn't function in Christ for years, years, then they're in a condition? Thank God. Hopefully, hopefully, then God Jesus shows up, who is the word in John 1.1, 1, 1, and he didn't have to do anything. Even the angels, listen, even the angels can't do what only Christ can do. There is ministers in Psalm 104, verse 4, and Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 7, there is ministers. And we can, we can think we're entertaining human beings and, and they can take the form, the angels can take the form of humanity, we see that in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. But even the angels there in John the 5th chapter couldn't do for what this man was helpless and hopeless was in his condition because there's only one who can deal with sin and that's Christ. Period. Period. (laughs) I can't tell you how many people when Jean and I moved back here, and again, it's about the word, and it's all about Christ. It's, you know, we're all vessels; we all have the potential to be a supply in the negative or a supply of Christ in the positive sense. In Hebrews four, and in Ephesians four, and verse sixteen, but that comes from preaching and teaching. In Hebrews four, and in Ephesians four, eight through eleven, it comes from some pastors and teachers, and the word some there, and by the way, pastors and teachers, in Jeremiah 3 and verse 15, and Galatians 1 and verse 15 are males. There has never been a- anywhere in all the scriptures a woman that was ever had the- held the office of a pastor. It's always masculine singular. Okay? So those that do that and think they're doing it right are living in sin according to the scriptures. Okay? That's according to the Scriptures. So if you, if you don't believe me, look up uh, Jeremiah 3 and verse 15 in the, in the he, original Hebrew. Look it up and you'll see it's masculine singular there. And in Ephesians 4, 8 and 11, it's masculine singular. See singular there? Men. Period. That's it. <laughs> Why? The woman was deceived by the enemy and still will be when she functions without proper headship. The man. The man, Adam, transgressed. He wasn't deceived. He knew better. And women, women need to be taught on a consistent basis. to th- Listen, and you can have that. You do have a personal relationship with Christ. But don't you want to grow in it? Through the preaching and teaching of it. I don't know if you're hungry. How many times a day do you eat? How many, days, how many days a week do you feed yourself and take care of yourself in a multitude of ways? Jesus said, I'm not laboring for the meat that perishes, he said in John 4 and verse, verse uh, 34. He said, my meat, my very sustenance is to do the will of the Father and finish the work. Do you know in Matthew 24 and verse 35 and Isaiah 40 verse 8, heaven and earth will pass away? my word will not pass away. You know, the whole earth and everything about it, where we got all these material things, <laughs> so interesting, is going to be burnt up. That's 2 Peter 3 and verse 13. It's going to return right to the dust again. Did you know that? You know, even in, even in Isaiah 2 and verse 20, those that clung to their gold and silver, a lot of Christians do that if you don't believe the age we're living in. Read Revelations 3, 14 to 22. That's the spiritual age we are in. So Busy with the details of life. We don't have time for Christ. When he knock, how does God, how does Christ knock at the door of an individual? What's he knocking at? The will. The door opens in. He's not pulling it. He's not violating. He stands there knocking. Okay? He stands there knocking. Here's the word. Here's the word of God this morning. Well, that man sat in a helpless and hopeless condition. That's the place where God has to bring us to. Because if not, we won't submit our will, there won't be any grace, and we'll just live in bondage, and we'll, ser- we'll be a servant to Satan. You know, when we sin, we're serving him. You know the word service is synonymous with the word worship? Whew. He that sins is the servant of sin. That's John 8, verse 34. It's very, very clear in the Scriptures. And that's why by the grace of God, as the Holy Spirit brings them back to remembrance, we're able to give them. Because it's the Word of God. It's our Word. (laughs) It's our Christ. And so here, the object lesson. The object lesson here, as we brought out, when all this is going on, nothing was being done except once in a blue moon. And it can only be for one person. And that, those porches were filled. Those porches were filled with all those precious folks. And then there's this one man. And who did Jesus come? He came to this one man that multitudes had walked by. They couldn't meet their own need. They were so overwhelmed. Do you ever get so overwhelmed with your own life? You, you don't even have time for God or anybody else. Or maybe you pick Who you think you should fellowship with or you pick? Who you think should give you counsel because you think they understand you better than anyone else in the local assembly? Really? I don't know when that changed. I don't know when that ever changed. I don't know that at all. Matter of fact, again, all the plans that they had, they emanated and came from that local assembly. They didn't have have other plans, even with natural family. There weren't other plans separated from the local assembly, you know. Natural family come around. That's the opportunity for them to see Christ, period. Period. Because heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. It's not going to pass away. The only thing we're taking out of here is what we submitted to Christ and allowed him to do in and through us. Everything else is going to pass away. And even, remember, even in Isaiah 2 and verse 20, all those that were clinging to their gold and silver, when judgment came from God and when he came, and there's none for us, but for outside those that haven't received Christ, there's plenty of judgment. That when the judgment came down, they ran to the caves with their gold and silver. But when judgment came, did their gold and silver do any good? No, it says they threw it to the bats and to the moles. And what does a bat and a mole think of gold and silver? Is it any value to them? Huh? Is it any value to us? Does it replace Christ? My God. This man was sitting. He was sitting. He was impotent. He had absolutely no power. He had no power. None whatsoever. And God through this, this through, through types in Christ Christ fulfilled every single type. He fulfilled all prophecy. He fulfilled every single type in the Bible, every single thing. And even in parabolic, and a parable like here, even in the the parables, parabolic teaching, which is you throw throw some, it's not teaching specifically, but God will bring in an object to get our attention, like he's doing this morning through John the 5th, To bring out greater truths about who we are in Christ. And the necessity of the time. There was a time after 38 years with this man. And time is very important. And the enemy, the greatest lie the enemy has to the believer is you have more time when you don't. You don't believe me? Don't. Read James the fourth chapter and get up to the 13th and 14th verses. Talk to the guy that tore down a smaller barn to fill all his goods to build a bigger one and he had to face Christ and said, you fool, you self-confident fool, everything about your life is yourself. Your own thoughts, how people misunderstand you, how they don't know. How about just being responsible for our own failures and sins and not wallowing in them? Not wallowing in them, but be a man and a woman, especially after years and years of t- teaching and truth, to stand up, to stand up, especially men. First Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. So this, this man is sitting there, okay? Hopeless and helpless. Hopeless and helpless. And when I submit my will, when God speaks the word, He protects me and he keeps me through, listen to this, through constant teaching and constant submission of our will, he keeps me out of the flesh and the flesh that would abuse the truth that Christ even gave us. Unbelievable. He's our only guard. We can't do without him for a second. We can't. We can't. Seek first the kingdom. No, I have a plan today. Really? Read Matthew, the sixth chapter. It starts with prayer. Prayer is always teaching what? Dependence. Go right to the 34th verse. What causes us worry? It's the details of life. Where am I going to eat? Where am I going to live? Well, did God call you here? Did he? Yeah, then he has a place for you. You don't believe me? I study on Cynthia. God gave him a place, but they had to trust him by faith. No, I need to see everything. step. Really, is that faith? No. That's that's literally tempting God with unbelief. I'm not going to do what you told me to do, where you told me to do it, until you've proved to me and I have enough to do it. No. Mm -mm. It's time to trust God. And by the way, remember, there's labor involved. God calls you to a specific area. And, like, seriously, like countless that came here, and when they came for the wrong reason other than being fed, when things got hard, they left. <laughs> That's right. They left. Okay? Knowing this in 1 Corinthians 15 58, that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. When I labor with the mind of Christ in time, I take it for all eternity. <laughs> Do I take the gold? The silver? The bank account, <laughs> the savings. God, I don't take anything with me but what Christ has done with, with through me, in and through me, with a submitted will. Thank God, He has to protect us from even abusing truth. Some by not coming to hear, you know, honestly. Uh, what are you doing? If you're not being used, filled, and not being used as a member in the local assembly, and you're all by, you're going to be abused. And you know what abusers do, right? When you abuse yourself, what do you usually do to another person? That's right. We will have help, and we have help, far more than this man for 38 years who lived as a result of his sin, kept him in a particular place. You know how many Christians struggle with certain things? They know not to do it, you know? And they still do it year after year, decade after decade, decade after decade. Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved hardens his neck, his will, or her will, and that without remedy. Thank God we do have a remedy. Thank God that God has substantial, that that is of substance that's remedial that will do something that that is impossible for us to do. He has to get us to the place where we're done trying and just submit. The man was impotent, but Christ was the object lesson of this whole chapter. Not the man, but Christ. But he used the man to teach, and he's using that today to teach us. We have far more than any old covenant born-again believer ever had. Far more in terms of truth, far more, well, as we wrapped this up this morning, this man was in this condition which was helpless, even in, can you imagine being helpless in the presence of the house of mercy? you know in this sense, in this sense, because it 's god's word and because he's faithful and remember, Paul, who was an apostle, Christ was his pastor teacher, Christ gave him. The substance of the church, truth, teaching. Teaching. Said, and he said it to a young pastor. So when I read 2 Timothy, the second chapter, the isagogics, which is the historical frame of reference, is, it was an apostle speaking to a young pastor. Now, we all should study in 2 Timothy 2.15, yes, but not all are pastor teachers. If you think you can study alone without that, it's not God's order. But don't think that, you, that God can't be faithful to you because, you know, because he will be faithful. But again, he said in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13, even if we abide not faithful, guess who abides faithful? Him. He can't deny himself. He won't deny who you are. Even if that apostle fails or that young pastor or that old pastor, even if they fail. Listen, if God called you there, he's going to be faithful to you. Okay. Because Christ is the object. He's the authority. He's the head in that particular local assembly, in that particular place where he called you. Be steadfast, men, especially men. Especially men. Read 2 Timothy 2, 1-4. Men, be steadfast. Stop allowing every little thing to move you. Be steadfast. God's speaking to me just as much as he's speaking to anybody else. Another man. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. It's never empty without cause. Never, never, never that way. So, in the presence of this house of mercy, multitudes were lame, halt, they were impotent, they were powerless. We said this before. I forget when I said it. don't even remember. I might have said it yesterday. could have been Sunday. <laughs> the local assembly is God's hospital. Listen, who goes to a hospital? People that are healthy. Man, you if you think you're healthy and you think you don't need anything, you think you're going to come? Huh? You know, the Laodiceans thought they were rich. They thought they had everything. But you know, what did Jesus say? You're wretched, poor, miserable, blind. Take ointment so that you can see. The ointment's the word that we apply to our proper thinking and understanding. Okay. Who comes? To, who goes to the hospital? Those that have a disease that, that they can't do anything about. They have to rely on someone else to do it. That's getting proper teaching. And of course, it's Christ who is the word. And there's no question about that, by the way. Not a single question about it. I said yesterday, and I mean it again, for the life of me, I don't know how Christians do without it. They don't do very well. I know that. Not getting proper teaching on a consistent basis. You know? Instead of making your schedule your schedule and your plan and just fit the word in, how about making the word? Do you think that God would be faithful in every other area if we sought the kingdom? He said, seek you first the kingdom. Notice that, his rule. His authority. Obedience. Seek you first the kingdom. Then all these other things will be added unto you. No. I don't trust God. I have to add them unto myself. And then I'll do what I can do. I don't. I, I, for the life of me. Husbands. Listen. Husbands. 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 Make sure your wife receives the word. Okay? Make sure your wives receive the word, okay? Seriously. Single woman, widow woman, God's given you a place to receive the word to his counsel. Very precise. Single people, single men, single woman, God's given you a place. He's all given us a head. Husbands, function as a proper head. Make the most important thing about your wife is getting her to, be, to feed on the word of God. And you may be young. You may think you have enough to do so. But if God called you to a local assembly, you don't. You're not experienced enough. You may be able to declare it, but you're not experienced enough. Okay? And that's protection. And that is protection for us. And that's why, as we close this morning, <clears throat> not a novice in First Timothy 3.6, lest they get puffed up with pride like Satan thinking they know enough. They know enough. <laughs> and other things come in and take the place of obedience. Known obedience. And I understand there's things that happen and God knows that. knows that. He knows a lot better than I do. But He still has me preaching <laughs> the truth. Right? He knows that. He knows it. He does. Husbands. Proper heads. More than your wor- more than your wife's physical food. Make sure she has the word to feed on. Make sure of it. Because that is the responsibility of the head, by the way. Okay? You may take care of every other area and you miss that one, and that's okay. It's not okay. I'm gonna make that crystal clear. It's not okay. It doesn't matter. I may resist and reject truth. I may do so. Do you know in Hosea 4 and verse 6, Jesus said to Israel, people that he chose to be his, he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's what he said. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Was the lack that they didn't get the word? No, the lack was they knew it but refused it. They resisted it. They hardened their will. And the older you get... The more dangerous and the more hardened the will is, and the harder it is to obey. I want to make that crystal clear. Crystal clear. That was Proverbs 29, 1 and 2. And God can change that in a second. And don't allow the enemy to convince you it's over for you and that's it. No, Psalm 92, verse 14 they will bring forth fruit in their old age. Where do you get the fruit? Where do you feed? Where do you feed? Where do you feed? How many times do you feed yourself during the week with your physical food? What's the necessity? What's the necessity? Well, thank God for his word, and I thank him with you. I'm I'm thankful for his word this morning and for the loving conviction that he gives us. Listen, God is a jealous God. That's Exodus 20, verse 5. Exodus 34 and verse 14. Deuteronomy 1, 29 and 30. He's a jealous God. He loves us. He loves us deeply. And he wants his Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching and teaching of the Word and growth, to be our only object. Because if Christ is not my object, I will, I will turn in. If you're not impressed with truth by going and being fed, you can only be depressed into self. Into self. And then I'm a fool and I'm busy, more busy giving my opinions which don't, which don't have anything to do with the Word and proper teaching. Because I become very subjective. When I don't have a proper object, I get very subjective and everything's about me. If you're older... He will bring forth fruit in your old age because in Hosea 14 and verse 8, their fruit is from me. That's a submitted will. That's John 15, 1 to 5. In any area, any area, and when it says you are clean, some think that's the water. That's what God's doing with the word. He's cutting off withered dead areas that have been dead for years. And it's not too late for you. And don't believe the lie. It's not too late. It's not too late. God has a specific plan for you and I together here in this area. There's no question about it. And it's, it's not going to be easy. But his yoke is easy in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. And we need to be yoked up to him. And that's our will. And he, because he, all he wants to do, why did he create us? You know what God created us for? He created us to love us. And do you think he wants us to submit to love and love him back? Yeah. No one can replace the love that God himself desires for you that he loved you first with in 1 John 4.19 for you to love him back. Isn't that amazing? Every human being every born again human being I should say. So Father thank you for your great love this morning. Thank you that in 1 Corinthians 11 31 and 32 you always convict us And conviction is not always easy, especially when the will has been so hard for so long. For any of us, we've become blind through being hardened. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 3, 4 through 6. Father, we thank you for your loving conviction. Your love convicts us, disciplines us, corrects us, chastens us because it's love so that we won't live in the condemnation of the world that's completely condemned. This man was living in a condemned, condemned state. It was helpless. Until God, Christ spoke the word and with his free will, he received it and he rose right up instantly. What can God do in an instant in your life where it's been years of rebellion and stubbornness? We didn't even get into those, but we will by God's grace. But thank you for your love this morning. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you. Amen.